Hello, and welcome to Zoom with Zarni. I'm Dustin Zarni, a Democratic Elections Commissioner here in Onondaga County. Today is Friday, May 6th, and I'm happy to have with me uh, Professor Stephen Romaleski of the City University of New York. He has a great redistricting tool uh, that has gotten quite popular, especially as New York redistricting has dragged on and on and on. Um, and uh, it's called New York Redistricting and You, and it's even branched out into other states and maybe coming to county ledge races across New York State. Uh, we had a great conversation about how to use that tool, why it's important for you to take a look at it, and hopefully uh, you'll uh, get some chance to go, go over to that uh, link that I'll put in the in the show notes and go out there and uh check this out because it's a great tool. It really lets you know about what's going on uh, with redistricting. And today uh, is a hearing in Steuben County um, where all the maps for New York uh, for the congressional and state Senate maps are being heard. Uh, citizens are traveling from all over the state uh, to Steuben County to tell uh, the uh, special master Jeffrey Service um, what they want to see in their next maps. Uh, we hope what we know right now is sometime next week, we expect an order from uh, the judge in Steuben County on how people can get on the ballot after the maps are released. On May 16th, we'll see draft maps released. And then on May 20th, we will see maps released uh, that, are, um, that are the final maps. And then we'll probably have a ballot access period for the state Senate and uh, congressional maps uh, for that August 23rd primary. And of course, we're ramping up for the June primary, which had, which the final uh, candidates were released. Uh, there are three candidates for lieutenant governor and governor on both Democratic and Republican tickets. Um, these are statewide primaries that will be going on throughout the state. In Onondaga County, we also have a primary for the town of Pompey Republican committee. So for four different districts out of the five districts there in Pompey. That is what's gonna be on the ballot in, in June. And then in August, if there is a primary, uh, the congressional and state Senate maps will be on the ballot. And so it is confusing. So I implore you, stick with me. Uh, I'll try to give you as much information throughout this crazy, crazy year as possible. Uh, next week on Friday, May 13th, we're scheduled to start sending out our absentee ballots uh, for the June primary. So uh, that ballot will, will hopefully have some sample ballots on our website. Uh, and, uh, and, and that will uh, be up sometime next week and then we'll be putting them in the mail. Uh, we're actually changing the way we do absentee ballots this year. We're gonna be counting them before election day. And I've uh, I promised you a uh, Sunday seminar on uh, absentee ballots. That's probably gonna happen in the next week or so. Um, as I get to know what's happening with the August primary, uh, that is what is uh, still up in the air here. So we're trying to figure out what the political calendar is for that. And then I'll do a Sunday seminar, which has absentee ballot issues for both uh, primaries. Uh, so you can know exactly what's going on. But basically, the old um, way of getting absentee ballots is still uh, valid. You can still use uh a COVID excuse, you can still apply online, but you'll be able to track it online. And but and the one thing that you will not be able to do is go to the polls on election day and vote. If you request an absentee ballot, you can only vote by affidavit ballot when you go to the polls on election day, because we'll be opening and casting those ballots before 
election day. So they can be counted without anybody objecting to them. And the bipartisan staff at the Board of Elections will be in charge uh, without having to have uh, people come in from the outside and, <clears throat> and cause any kind of havoc. So that's all I got for you today. <coughs> Sorry, um, it's allergies, it's, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> um, but that's all I got for you today. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, you know, uh, this week I released a wonky Wednesday um, going into the budget figures from the Onondaga County Board of Elections uh, for 2021. We have got our final budget numbers uh, earlier last month. And I did a little analysis to see how we shepherded your taxpayer money. Uh, and of course, uh, today I'm talking to Stephen Romaleski. Uh, and next week I'll be talking to Jessica Bumpus, uh, Jessica Bumpus Hess of the Syracuse Women's March uh, about the surprising um, uh, draft opinion that we got out of uh, SCOTUS this week. So stay tuned for my interview with Stephen Romaleski of the City University of New York and his new tool, New York Redistricting and You. Bye-bye. And I'm happy to have as our guest on Zoom with Zarni this week, Stephen Romaleski. Uh, he is the director of the mapping service at the Center for, for Urban Research at the CUNY Graduate Center. And he runs an incredible redistricting tool that uh, I, I think he got a little bit more bang for his buck with this redistricting season. Uh, season. Stephen, uh, thank you for uh, coming on uh, Zoom and Zarni. Sure, thanks so much for having me, glad to be here. So Stephen, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What is your background and then what led you into uh, getting involved in uh, redistricting this year with your New York redistricting and you researching tool? Sure, uh, so I work at the Center for Urban Research at the City University of New York's Graduate Center. Uh, this, our center is directed by John Mollenkopf, who's been involved in analyzing electoral data and uh, mapping data and voting data for decades. And I've been there since 2006. Before that, I worked at the New York Public Interest Research Group for about 20 years. And while I was there, I had extensive experience with advocacy and community organizing and uh, research with uh, public interest perspective, did a lot of work on environmental issues, and, you know, spent a decent amount of time in the state legislature and have a sense of how things work up in Albany. And we started at that time to use computer mapping software, or GIS, Geographic Information Systems, and we actually created a service called the Community Mapping Assistance Project. And we developed maps. This is in the early 2000s. Uh, and we actually from the late 90s through, through the early 2000s. And so we worked with all sorts of nonprofit organizations to help them um, leverage computer mapping in their work. And also we developed some online interactive maps. And so one of the things that we were definitely always interested in was things like campaign finance, where the campaign contributions come from, and legislative districts, how are they drawn, and, um, uh, and the like. And so I moved over to CUNY in 2006, and we've continued that type of work uh, since then on maybe a bigger scale and, and more robust projects, but we've developed a lot of interactive maps and, and uh, developed a lot of mapping services 
for all sorts, sorts of issues in organizations. And so after the 2010 census, first of all, we were very involved in the 2010 census, developed an interactive mapping tool on a nationwide basis that we use with census stakeholders. So they could really pinpoint and prioritize their outreach efforts to try to ensure, <laughs> excuse me, to ensure that hard to count communities were counted fairly and accurately. After that, in New York, we developed a project that is very similar to what we have now uh, for redistricting, where we didn't want to get involved in drawing the lines. A lot of other organizations were very involved in that, doing that very well. But we got some very helpful feedback from people in the advocacy community. And they pointed out that you know a lot of people don't even know what legislative districts they're in. And they certainly don't know how those districts might change through redistricting. And so we, we had the idea of, of creating this interactive map that would make it really easy for people to zoom in on where they live, see what their current district looks like for Congress and state legislature, and be able to see very easily how it would change based on the various proposals that have been, that were submitted at the time by the state legislature, <coughs> and also uh, some outside stakeholders and activists. And so we did that in you know, 2012 or so for New York. It was very helpful. Journalists loved it because it was a very visual way of kind of fading back and forth between the current or the old and new districts. And so now after the 2020 census, where we also worked very closely with stakeholders around the country to help them prioritize their outreach efforts, we decided to do a similar thing. And we were excuse me, able to do that not only in New York, but in a, a number of other states with support from uh, the New York State Census Equity Fund and also from a Fair Representation and Redistricting Coalition of Funders on a nationwide basis. Yeah, we're going to get into that because this tool has like, I, I, I follow you on Twitter and I've seen that you're uh, commenting on other states as well. And we'll go into that as well. But let's stick on New York right now because Boy, um, New York redistricting must be the gift that hasn't stopped giving for you because uh, we thought that this would be done in March and now we're going through it again. Um, and um, what what has that been like for you? Uh, you know, and and how have you uh, changed with that? I, I I saw that you're adding a lot of data, and and what kind of data are you adding to this uh, to New York redistricting and you and why? Well, so when we started the project, we basically had the existing congressional and state Senate and assembly districts, and then proposals from the, the original proposals from the New York Independent Redistricting Commission. Um, during the IRC's outreach efforts, their hearings, other groups submitted some plans like the Unity Map Coalition, uh, the University of Buffalo Law School students, uh, New York Law School students, and some others. And so we added those. And then when the, excuse <laughs> me, when I have a lingering cough from COVID, my apologies. We, um, we all do, I think. Yeah. It's been a rough couple of years. So then when the legislature got involved directly after the so-called Independent Redistricting Coalition Commission, rather, uh, didn't provide the final set of maps that they were supposed to provide, we, we integrated their, uh, the legislature's plans directly. And the idea was that anytime someone develops a, a 
congressional or state legislative district proposal, they, you know, it's helpful to see what that looks like. And it's really helpful to see that in comparison with the current districts and also to see how the different proposals compare. Um, and so our site makes it really easy to do that. And so we were able to uh, add those plans pretty quickly while the legislature was, you know, debating their plans and uh, get the word out about that. And, and stakeholder groups used the tool extensively, uh, journalists used it extensively, again, because it provides a really helpful, easy visual way of, you know, seeing what the districts look like, as well as providing some data about the districts, what the demographics are, what the voting patterns are, things like that. So let's, uh, let's actually show those, those of you who are, uh, um, you know, watching this on, on video, we're going to try to show this, um, uh, you know, this uh, great tool, tool uh, uh, to, to, so, um, you know, the, so the audience can see it because I love it. I, I thought it was great when it was going on in March, it really let me as a commissioner know what the lines were and communicate uh, to my constituents what the, what the lines were as well. So um, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, uh, oh, I think, okay. I'm gonna make you the host, Steve, and you're gonna share your screen and uh, we're gonna see how this, uh, how this wonderful tool works. And I'll put in the link. High tech. Yeah, I'll put I'll put in the I'll, I'll put in the uh, the links in the show notes as well. Great. So hopefully you can see the map. Uh, I should I should I should point out that it's this is not just me developing this. I have a couple of people I work closely with who uh, help with managing the data, developing the cartography, uh, and also developing the application itself. And we actually used a lot of the online mapping techniques and the tools that we used for the census 2020 hard to count map and apply them to this. Um, and so there are other interactive maps out or mapping platforms out there that stakeholders are using to, to show what the districts look like. Um, but none of them do what this does, which is make it really easy to zoom in to a specific location compare multiple district plans and also see basic statistics and population data about each district. Um, and the comparison is really the key. So I'm going to uh, click here, it's kind of uh, Onondaga County more or less. And um, so it highlights the, uh, what at this point what we have, uh, if you go to the right hand panel here, at the top, we have the plan that was adopted by the legislature and signed by the governor and then ruled unconstitutional by the courts. <laughs> yeah. um, and then below that, we have a bunch of other options where uh, different entities have submitted alternative plans to the now special master. Um, and so you could view any of those. So let's just take a look though at the, the plan that was passed and then ruled unconstitutional. So what the map does, it highlights in purple what the outline is in this case of District 22. And then if you use this tool at the top of the map, this slider tool, if, as you move this to the left, then it highlights or displays on the map what the current district looks like. And uh, so you can see very easily and in, and in great detail also, I should say, how this district, which is 24, which encompasses Onondaga County, would change. Uh, 
again, if the unconstitutional plan was adopted. Um, I'll just point out also that on the left-hand panel, uh, we have information about the current district. So who represents it now, what the population statistics are, how, whether it's over or underpopulated compared to the um, 2020 census-based ideal or average district. And then some information about some demographics about the current district, redistricting metrics, how compact the district is, how many counties or towns it cuts across, and what the voting patterns are based on the 2020 presidential uh, vote patterns. And then on the left, for the proposed district, we show that same information. So you could easily compare at a glance what the current district is like and how that might change if that particular plan was adopted. And then if you want more detail, I have a link, we have a link here that you can go to the source information and see. And so this plan was ruled unconstitutional. So let's see what it would, how it would change if the plaintiffs, uh, the uh, Republican voters that brought the lawsuit, how their district would look if um, their plan was adopted by the special master. And so you can see Onondaga County is still included in one entire district, but that district looks very different from what the state legislature adopted. You could also see what the Empire Center developed. They also include Onondaga County in its entirety, but it goes in a different direction. <laughs> and the statistics are probably somewhat different. Yeah. Um, and then you could also see Common Cause uh, just uh, created the plan. A high school student, Wilson Pree from Brooklyn Tech High School uh, created the plan. And that's what his District 22 would look like. Um, so again, the idea is to try to make it really easy and interactive and intuitive to try to understand what's going on. Yeah, I think that what's great about this is that you have all these different plans that people have submitted to the court that the special master, uh, Jonathan Service, is supposed to take into account. But of course, he's going to release some plans as well. Uh, we expect that on May 16th. Is your plan to get those in here as well when they come out? Yes, we've been following the the submissions that have been provided to the court and therefore also to the special master. And so we've been incorporating plans that have been submitted so far. That's how we found this plan from this uh, Brooklyn Tech High School student. Um, and also uh, when there are other plans developed such as from the special master, we'll incorporate that as well. Uh, and people can then hopefully see easily, well, all right, what is the special master thinking of in terms of how the districts would change? And what does that mean for you? You know, the reason we call this platform redistricting and you, and you know this well, but other people may not, that you, you as someone living in Syracuse or anywhere else might think, I'm not gonna get involved in redistricting. It's, I don't wanna draw the maps and it's this backroom political deal, it's not for me, but it affects everyone. And you, everyone, should be concerned about it because these districts will shape how you are represented for the next 10 years in Congress and in Albany. And so it's it's definitely helpful to, at least you don't need to be involved extensively, but at least you can see what the districts look like. And you know the congressional districts are really big, but if you look at, let's say, the assembly districts, and we'll zoom in close, uh, let's go to the... Uh, so this is the plan that was approved by the uh, governor. And so unless it's the challenge that's been proposed recently to it moves ahead, these 
assembly districts might uh, last or might go into effect. And so this is what the current district look like, looks like. Um, and so the new district is you know, pretty similar. And so you could use that to, to say, <clears throat> well, all right, let's say I live in this part, or uh, let's say I live in East Syracuse. Well, what communities elsewhere in the district have I needed to interact with before if I wanted to talk with my assembly member and you know, make the pitch to them about some concern that we're having? Well, now you know that the district won't change that much if this plan is finalized. And so you can continue working with those same communities and it's kind of, you know, it's gonna be consistent moving forward. But there may have been other places that changed substantially. Let's zoom out and see what this district looks like. I think the so, one, yeah, the one twenty seventh, uh, that that changed uh, a little bit. Yeah, so you can see down here in Tully and Fabius, you know, those just those areas are no longer in District One Twenty Seven, and actually, it moves over uh, to Madison County, right, Casanova, or is that still in Onondaga? No, no, that's no, in no, Madison. That's County. Madison. Yep. Yeah, so now, so to the extent that you want to meet with or talk with whoever the new assembly representative is for this district, you will need to know that you no longer uh, will be working with community groups in let's say Tully, but you'll be working with community groups in the county over. And so that's helpful to know. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's also something to think about Maybe you think that's a good idea. Maybe you think that's a terrible idea. And if you think it's a terrible idea that you can see from this map, then you can maybe get on the phone or send in an email to the special master and say, whoa, this is a crazy idea. Don't do this. And so it's a helpful tool in that respect. Yeah, and just for viewers uh, to remind them that there is a lawsuit on the assembly lines. Uh, it'll uh, be, uh, there's a hearing on it on May 10th about whether the assembly line should be thrown out or not, but the appellate court and the appeals court have not thrown out the assembly lines. They have kept them in. Uh, and uh, so as of right now, these are the assembly lines uh, that are running. And those and we don't have any primaries in Onondaga County, but if there you did have a primary for assembly, that would be in the June uh, uh, primary period, not the August primary period that the Senate and congressional lines are in. And so this tool has been live now since January, is that right? Uh, for Or has it, was it live before that? It seems like forever, but I think <laughs> it, it was probably like forever. <laughs> I think it was probably around January, yes. Yeah, your little spring project has uh, gotten extra innings here. But uh, so, but but you started with New York, but you're, you are, you said you're in, in, in uh, a few other states. What other states are you uh, working with uh, on this? So um, originally what we did is we talked with groups in other states that were doing redistricting network that we had worked closely with during the 2020 census to help them do outreach around making sure that the, the census was fair and accurate. And so we contacted, we talked uh, with one of the groups in Massachusetts, the Massachusetts voter table. And so we developed an application, a version of this for Massachusetts. Uh, and I did a, a, a Zoom meeting uh, hosted by the uh, Yale Map Library a, a month or two ago. And the voter table and one of the local community groups they worked with, were, they were talking about how they loved the application because 
nowhere else provides this type of visual comparison that is so easy to access by our site. And so they said it was really helpful, not only to get the word out in the community about what was happening with the proposed lines, but also to talk with the commissioners and the people involved in the, the decision-making process. And I actually was watching um, a town hall meeting that they had in Massachusetts where one of the local uh, representatives was using our map during the Zoom call and comparing the, the maps back and forth. And um, so, you know, and so we did, did this in Massachusetts and then uh, the national foundations that were involved in census outreach support have pivoted in a, in a sense to focus on redistricting and they have a, a priority list of states. And so we've developed uh, redistricting EU versions for a number of those priority states that they have. So we've created them for uh, stakeholder groups in Georgia, in Louisiana, in um, North Carolina, in Florida, uh, Missouri, Mississippi, um, New Jersey. I think that's oh. it. Maybe there are a couple of others. That, that's amazing. So this little project that you were going to do for New York started moving on into these other places. And then, of course, New York redistricting, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, with uh, haywire here uh, over the last few weeks. Um, what? You know, do you have any thoughts about that, about about the process in New York? Uh, I mean, obviously, you're a neutral uh, expert. I'm not asking you to take a political side or a partisan side, but um, you're obviously well, uh, you know, informed on uh, redistricting throughout, um, you know, throughout the country, and and of course here in New York as well. What what do you think we should be doing here? What do you obviously there's a a big problem here in New York. What do you think uh, is, or do you have any, uh, um, you know, thoughts about what, what would be a better way to get this done? Well, uh, that is hard to say. Uh, I don't really know. I mean, there are some models, I guess, out there of so-called independent redistricting. But I think the key thing is that when the legislature, the people that will be running in these districts, that when they are drawing their district lines, it's not necessarily bad, but it definitely creates at least the appearance of, or, or the risk that, you know, they're gonna draw lines to their advantage. And that I was on a, I recorded a podcast this morning with some uh, journalists in New York City. And one of them was pointing out that, you know, a lot of the policies and efforts that the, the legislature is undertaken and that the boards of elections sometimes do, the voters are kind of an afterthought. And that's, you know, that's not good because the voters, number one, they're the ones who are running the show in effect, the, you know, the, the legislators, the elected officials work for them. And the voters are going to have to live with these districts for the next decade. Uh, you know, a lot of legislators will stay in office for that long, but not necessarily. And they're the, the people living there, they're the ones that, you know, uh, again, they're going to have to decide which communities they're going to be collaborating with and uh, which ones they need to develop coalitions with. And so it's it really, they're the priority, but they haven't been throughout this whole process. And uh, a lot of this, the situation we're in now, I think goes back to what happened in 2012, where two things to point out. One, and you know this well, but for your listeners, one is 
that in 2012, the state legislature had complete authority over redistricting in New York for Congress and state uh, Senate and Assembly. And back then, the Senate was uh, majority Republican and the Assembly was majority Democrat, but they couldn't come to an agreement on the congressional lines. And a lawsuit was brought and a federal court stepped in and a special master was hired. And so kind of a, a very similar process happened then that is happening now for the congressional lines and the stakeholders that were very active in that process, they basically agree that the lines drawn for Congress that we've had for the last decade were fair and representative. And so a lot of people are saying, oh, well, now it's out of the hands of the elected officials and now it's with this unaccountable special master. Well, 10 years ago, the special master drew lines that were pretty good. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, and the court, you know, ruled that the legislature overstepped its bounds when it came to the congressional lines. So let's see how the special master does. We could have done that from the start <laughs> and maybe ended up with a much better process overall. But the other thing is in 2012, the state legislature basically cut a deal with themselves and they drew lines that definitely helped incumbent senators and also incumbent assembly representatives. And stakeholders, outside groups said, this is bad. Governor Cuomo at the time, Governor Cuomo, please veto these lines, especially the Senate lines, because they're so terribly gerrymandered. And he could have stepped in and said, okay, good, I'm going to veto them and force the legislature to come back and do a better job, but he didn't. And instead, he said, I will let these lines stand for a decade in exchange for having the legislature pass a law that would put a referendum on the ballot that would be adopted by the voters and create this new process. But the new process, even at the time, people looking at it said, this has problems. <laughs> it's maybe better. And the hope was that there would be this so-called independent commission and a lot of public hearings and a better process. But we now see that that is far from the case. So we're kind of back at square one. And <laughs> the courts stepped in and said the legislature, again, overstepped its bounds. Um, at least for the congressional lines and Senate lines, and maybe also for the assembly lines. So it's uh, it's a really unfortunate, to be unfortunate process. Yeah, I I was one of those critics of the independent redistricting commission in 2015 14 because I I'm I've been an advocate for citizen led redistricting like we're having here in Syracuse, um, and I ended up serving on the Onondaga County redistricting commission. Because uh, I'm part of that by charter as being elections commissioner here, and that became a fiasco as well, and it, it, it buttressed my, uh, you know, respect for citizen-led redistricting because at least then, it's random citizens; they don't have uh, political masters they have to, uh, you know, to answer to, and <clears throat> and as long as they have final authority, I think that's the biggest problem with the IRCs it was designed to fail. It was uh, it was designed to come up with maps that the legislatures would reject. And at the time, the Senate's re Republicans would draw their maps and the Assembly Democrats would draw their maps. And where things got out of hand this time was that, uh, um, that uh, the, uh, uh, you know, that, that now Democrats are in control of the legislature. So the Republicans didn't want them drawing all of the maps. So uh, then they, you know, then it ended up in court, and that and that's and that and the IRC couldn't even fulfill its own duties of 
of submitting uh, two sets of maps. And that's where we're at. And it's a mess. But, um, you know, what's next for your redistricting project? I, I know that we were talking, um, you know, we've been talking about the state redistricting, but there's another round of redistricting going on, which is county redistricting throughout New York over the next year. Uh, is this uh, something that you're hoping to get into? Yes, definitely. So uh, one thing I was going to say is that uh, not just county, but also local city redistricting. And so in New York City, the New York City Council uh, is now in the process or there's been a commission established as a result of the New York City Charter that um, is now working on developing new city council districts. And the process in New York City is um, maybe not ideal or perfect, but it definitely is better in, in that the, uh, the commission that's established, there are various requirements to make sure that it's representative of the city's mosaic in terms of the, the demographics of the city and that it minimizes political connections the members are appointed by the mayor and the city council. So there's that connection, but they're not actual legislators. And they do need to submit the plan that the commission comes up with to the city council. But if the city council doesn't like it, tough. <laughs> the commission has the final say. And so the council can recommend changes, but they can't veto it and draw their own lines. So the commission is in charge. Um, uh, so that, and I think also people that have been involved in the process at the state level and at the city level in New York have generally said that the city process is definitely better. Again, it's not ideal. There are definitely issues with it, but it's, it's definitely resulted in fair representative lines. And I think people generally are, are happy with that. So, you know, that's something to think about as well. And yes, the, as you pointed out, county legislatures across the state also have to redraw their lines based on the census data and the one person one vote criteria and so uh, we're working with we're talking with the uh, New York City Census Equity Fund to see if they can support the uh, development of a local version of redistricting you that would uh, at least encompass several counties downstate and upstate hopefully Onondaga uh, hopefully Long Island at least um, and we'll see where that goes. But the idea, again, would be just like with New York State redistricting, this would provide a helpful tool for local residents to take a look at the districts. It's nowhere near as complicated for a county because there aren't as many districts and it's just smaller and more manageable than the entire state. Um, but still, this type of easy visual comparison feature should be very helpful. So we're hoping to move ahead with that over the next few months. Yeah, I, I obviously hope that you're in as many counties as possible because I do think uh, the tool will at least show people where they used to be, where they are now, and and maybe you know what what why the the lines were drawn in the way that they were drawn, uh, even if it's beyond the redistricting process. Uh, although, as we've seen with. New York redistricting, we're never really beyond the redistricting process. We'll be in it for the rest of our lives, apparently. Uh, but uh, so, uh, so but one thing, but if, oh, yes, if I may, one thing, one thing I was going to point out is that uh, the redistricting in you online platform, we're not going to pull the plug on it once the new lines are final. We'll keep the site online for the state and also for the local communities for, you know, the foreseeable future in the next year or two, especially through this election cycle. So 
people that are involved in election campaigns and voter outreach and education, they'll be able to use this to say, you know, remember the last time you voted, you voted in this district. Well, now it's a different district. And here you can see exactly what it is and uh, what the contours now are for the districts that you'll have for the next 10 years. So um, it'll hopefully continue to be a helpful service uh, for voter outreach and, and uh, campaigns that are going forward. That's great. Yeah, that, that, because, you know, the next time we have elections, there's new voters that come into the process. There's uh, people that are, you know, not paying attention during this year, but may uh, pay attention. And of course, county redistricting is starting next year. So having this ongoing is uh, something that's going to be very important. Well, uh, we're kind of getting towards the end of what I, I like to have as a, a podcast time. This has been incredibly informative, uh, but I always like to end the podcast with one question. What haven't we talked about? What, 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 do you want, what do you want to get out there that we haven't been able to touch on uh, that you'd like the viewers or listeners to know about, whether it's about you, your project, CUNY, whatever? This is, the floor is yours. Uh, so the, the one thing I was going to also mention about the, the redistricting new mapping site is that another thing we've, we've incorporated into it to make it hopefully easy to use is that once you've zoomed in and you're looking at your district and you have the right you know, setup uh, for the right zoom level and all that, you can share a link to that exact map on social media or by email or in a newsletter that you have. And so the next time someone clicks on that link, they'll see exactly what you're seeing. And so it hopefully helps with the conversation that way. Um, and if you're, let's say, a, a journalist, you're writing for a newspaper and they have an online version of that, you can embed the map, the redistricted and you platform into your website. So people don't even have to leave your site to see exactly what the districts are and they can zoom in and out while they're on your website. So we tried to make it not only helpful for individuals, but to be able to make it shareable and a, more of a community-wide resource. That's, that's great. Thank you so much. My guests, uh, and thank you so much for all the work you're doing. I know you're not uh, just a nine-to-fiver because I see you out there all the, all the time trying to get uh, the word out there, and I know that's not something that, uh, you know, you have to do. I know it's a, a labor of love. You can tell by, uh, you know, the way you interact with the public. So uh, please, I'll, I'll put this in the show notes. Please go follow um, Stephen on Twitter, but also uh, go check out New York Redistricting and You. And if you're in other states listening to this, in the states affected, go check out the versions in those states. It's an incredible resource. Stephen, thank you so much for coming on Zoom with Zarni. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Hopefully this will help get the word out. I, I think it will. And next week, uh, I will have as my guest, uh, Jessica Bumpus-Hess. Uh, she's a local organizer for the Women's March here in Syracuse, New York. Obviously, with the uh, recent SCOTUS decision, uh, there's um, uh, a lot of fervor about this. We just had a 350-person protest at the federal building uh, the other day, and uh, that's not going to end. So uh, we're going to talk to Jessica Hess about uh, you know, uh, the Women's March in Syracuse, how it's ongoing, and what, how you can get involved, and what this um, possible SCOTUS ruling is going to mean uh, for women across the country. And I'm very um, glad that she's uh, willing to come on on such short notice to talk about that important issue. And please remember that COVID is still out there. It's still in our community, and Onondaga County is one of the highest transmission rates in the country. So please 
get vaccinated, get boosted. So if you do get it, the, the symptoms uh, will be milder, uh, hopefully, and keep you out of the hospital. And if you are in a public space, you know, please think about wearing your mask, especially indoors. And if you have symptoms, get tested. Uh, that way you can know what's going on with yourself and keep you and your loved ones safe. Uh, until next week, I'm Dustin Zarni. Thank you for joining in with Zoom and Zarni and enjoy the rest of your day. Bye-bye. <laughs>